the both came up one day and said, you know, besides the part that he looks much better now, you have saved our marriage because it doesn't snore anymore every night. So, so really. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Health Careers with Dr. Marn Podcast, the show that pulls back the curtain on what a career in health and wellness is really like. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Marn. Did you know that an orthodontist does more than just braces? What they do is they help affect someone's bite and bone structure sometimes with their tools and their techniques. And today's successful orthodontist actually didn't get into dental school on the first attempt. He actually had to try more than once to get in, but he did, and successfully, after working very hard and being persistent. And we're going to hear a story about that too. Today's awesome guest is Dr. Chris Togius. He has a very successful practice in orthodontics in Manhattan. Born in Rochester, New York, and raised in Greece, he eventually moved to the United States for his undergraduate degree in biology and chemistry at the University of Rochester. He then eventually got his dental degree from Tufts University School of Dental Medicine and went on to complete a postgraduate specialty residency in orthodontics and maxillofacial orthopedics. I spoke with Dr. Togius from his home in New York, where he gave me a rundown of his career and how he got started. Well, hello. Hi, Chris. Welcome. Hi there. Nice to find you, to, 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 to meet with you. Hey, you know, I've I've known you for, what, a couple years now? Um, About, yeah. I think a couple years. Um, uh, for our listeners, Dr. Chris Togius is the orthodontist for my kids, but also, my wife is a pediatric dentist, and she refers patients to you, and you guys work together on a few cases and discuss it, and so there's a professional relationship that you have with my spouse, so it's kind of funny that um, that uh, we have this kind of unique relationship. I and mean, it's like it's a blast working with you. <laughs> Your spouse is amazing. Chris, what exactly do you do? Can you tell me what it is that is your job, your job description, and what you're responsible for? So I'm an orthodontist. I mean, a lot of people don't know what that is. And a lot of times people ask me, are you a dentist? Orthodontist is like pretty much a specialty of dentistry. So we have to continue after dental school for a few more years of specialized training. It's just two to three years. Um, at that time, you learn how to assist with bone growth and orthopedic treatment on young adults. And also, you know, alleviate, like work with like general dentists on creating a balanced bite through either opening closing spaces for implants um, uh, or uh, set up a patient for surgery to have the, the, the jaw aligned, either bring the upper jaw forward, lower jaw back to correct underbites, overbites to adults, or work with, with a TMJ specialist. The, the temp, temporomandibular joint specialist to create a better bite for people who have like painful um, joints around the bite. So it's pretty much the two components, an orthopedic and orthodontic component. Orthopedic is the younger population when we do expansions, creating bigger mm-hmm. arches, headgears, we control growth or help growth. And then adults is like more orthodontic, which is like creating straighter teeth, balanced bites and um, assisting with um, creating more of a healthy mouth, put it that way. So 
uh, as an orthodontist, are what are some of the tools that you are using that are different than what a general dentist does? Because you're still a dentist, but you have this subspecialty. So are there different tools that you are using? Well, we're not, as we say, the classic, typical drill and fill kind of dentist. You know, we're not there drilling teeth around. We use brackets. We use uh, wires. We use um, uh, temporary implants to kind of move teeth around with adding, putting forces on teeth. Uh, like we are not sitting there do cleanings or, which is actually a very common question I get. So can you do my cleaning or can you do my veneers since you're an orthodontist? We don't do cosmetic dentistry, purely align teeth, put it that way. We're just creating a better balanced body. We, again, we use brackets, wires, aligners, like typical Invisalign or now 3M, they have all these clear aligners that we can use forces to create a better uh, bite and straighter teeth. And what are the typical situations that you come across then in your practice? What are typical problems people have that they see you for? I mean, it's like depends the age. I mean, for example, with your spouse, I mean, we get a lot of young adults from six, seven, eight years old who they developmentally that are, they, they have, um, a small arch, they have a lot of crowding. So we, at that point, we can actually alter the, the growth. So we can use an expander and grow and then and make a bigger, a bigger arch, correct the crossbite, correct an underbite, correct an overbite with um, appliances. For like teenagers, most of the time is like, cr- like correct the better bites, a lot of crowding. So we have to kind of make a nice aligned dentition that way. You can chew better, like you can take care of your teeth better. You know, crowded teeth tend to have more problems, more gum problems in the future. So we're trying to create a nice uh, foundation for the long, long, like term life. So when to keep their teeth longer and have a healthier smile and healthier gum tissue. Uh, for adults, again, many times these people do not wear the retainers, come back to have the teeth realigned in the like late 20s, early 30s. Uh, many times in adults, you know, during the sometime of their life, they lose teeth and then teeth shift. Mm-hmm. The, like spaces close up and then we have to open up spaces and line it in and then fix the bite in order that way they can have uh, spaces for implants and over um, veneers or, or open up their bite if they're harming their teeth or if they're grinding teeth too hard because of a certain bite problem, then we can actually align the teeth in a better way that way. They don't harm the teeth, they don't harm the bone, they don't harm the gum. So in the long run, again, a healthier mouth. You you mentioned that sometimes the the process takes a while. We're talking months to years. And so therefore, you don't often see patients just for one session. These are patients you'll see kind of over and over during a Yeah, an average orthodontic treatment would be about 18 months. So within those 18 months, I see people pretty much every month, every four to six weeks to reactivate the braces, to activate the forces. So I tend to get to know people very well. After two years, you pretty much, those people are not your patient anymore. A lot of them are your friends. Mm-hmm. And then I, it's so funny, the more I've been working in the city now, I mean, I start seeing people on the streets. I mean, which is, to me, that's the most amazing thing when you have a kid kind of run up to you, Dr. Tobias, how are you? And it's like, it's the sweetest thing. I mean, it's like, it's like almost like feel like you like sense of community that, that you're actually getting to know your and take care of your community in a way. Is even in the city, a sense of community? What? Well, you know, you'd be surprised. I mean, 
then each neighborhood is pretty much its own community. I mean, you know, yes, it's a huge city, but you know, I go down the street to my Starbucks in my neighborhood, and there it is, like my patient either coming from a different office, different visit, or I, I go to a, the market down the street in Union Square, and then you see other people there with their kids, and or to a restaurant one night, and you start. The more people I see, the more I started running into patients in the in the city. Now that I'm like, or if I go to Long Island, I see people on Long Island, and it's like it, it, it just feels good that you're actually, you know, becoming part of a community. That's funny. My wife even says to me, "Hey, you have to behave now when we're in public, okay? <laughs> you, know, you, you can't embarrass me." Right. I mean, like, <laughs> of people start recognizing me. I'm like, "Oh my god, I have to be careful now. I can have, you know, have too many martinis and start walking home." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Chris, can you tell me some of the highlights of your job? Oh my god, there's so many. Um, I mean, the, the 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 best time is like when a kid or an adult take their takes their braces off. And, uh, the, you know, usually my, my, my thing is like, okay, give them my patient a mirror, look at the teeth before, like, you know, we take the brace off and then we take the brace off, polish their teeth. And then we have the before pictures next to them on. And then when the person bursts into tears of happy, happy tears, really happy tears, happy tears. When they start laughing, when they're like giggling, they cannot stop smiling to me. Like, you know, that brings almost like, like it's just the, the pure joy. I mean, one case I'm thinking of right now, I mean, it's a younger, young adult. I mean, very concerned parent. The kid have like a mid-face deficiency, so the middle part of his face was very sunken in. Teenager? Uh, no, young, like eight years old, eight, okay. eight years old. And the family was very concerned. Like, you know, we went to, the, I was the third or fourth consult. Um, they, were, they were nervous about everything. The kid, like, have a really severe, tiny upper jaw. So... Uh, he was a habitual he a thumb sucker as, as a child, younger, like for a while. And also his parents were like, you know, they had very similar bone structures, so they didn't know what to do. So we did like a nice max uh, upper jaw expansion. We used mm-hmm. here. The kid responded so well. It was a different, I mean, it didn't even look like the same child. It looked so much more improved aesthetics, the balance, the bite, the speech, the chewing habit, the swallowing, everything improved within the one year that that family is becoming like my number one, like family. They, they, they just literally, they come in and say, you save a child. You made him look so well and he's so comfortable. I mean, and I, I see them in my neighborhood. Like I saw him like about like, a few weeks ago when I was parking my car and then like I was walking in the car and I hear this young kid, behind me and it was like that family was happening to be in the neighborhood and then the kid comes and gives a big hug i mean i was like oh my god i mean it's just almost the gift that keep, the gift that keeps giving it's like it's amazing or i mean the funny note you know <laughs> again <laughs> i got a really nice response from a from a spouse when after we did some adjustment of some uh, an adults uh, a husband's actually bite and teeth and then give him a retainer who moves the jaw forward a little bit they both came up one day and said, you know, besides the part that he looks much better now, you have saved our marriage because he doesn't snore anymore every night. So, so, really? so they, they gave you credit for, for your marriage credit. intact. So there's so many amazing stories like <laughs> Great. who, who, who just, just every day. I mean, those, but stories like that kept me keeping going. And then, and, and, and then get such a good, like, like response. You get such a good feeling about it. It makes you feel like 
I'm always like amazed. I mean, it makes me choke up all the time to think about all those places, all those good, good response I get. It's amazing. Those are great stories. Thanks, Chris. What is your typical day like uh, as an orthodontist? When you first start in the morning, when do you show up? When do you leave? How many patients do you see? You know, what is your daily habits like in, in the office? In the office. So the one thing I liked about orthodontics is like when I as it became probably going to talk this a little later, it's a very clean profession. I mean, we barely deal with what do you mean blood, by that? no blood, no like, you know, we don't see like people in pain. Yes, we may cause people to be a little sore for a couple of days or yeah. with the braces, but everybody in general who comes to the office is in a good mood. So you just, is in a good mood, you said? Yes. Like most patients, they come in because they want to improve themselves. They want mm-hmm. to better themselves or make have a better smile, have a better bite, have work done, and then they need to set up the teeth for better, you know, like adjustments. Anyway, so the typical day is like we all get together. We, you know, it's this, I'm in the New York City, so usually New York City practices can tend to be a little smaller than a suburban practice. Yes. And we have like smaller space. So we usually have a smaller team. So we usually every morning before we start, we have a, it's called the morning huddle. Uh, we, all the team gets together. Uh, we review our day to make sure everything's been ready and prepped for the day. And also it's a good way to see that everybody, to me also, I like to do a little pep talk. Okay, let's have a great day today because we're here to help people. We, we, we need to remember that we're not here there just to work. We're there to actually make people's life better and make that 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 experience of their day better so we're there not just to make like a, to, to to work and just go in and just do dentistry we're also there to like take care of people and then after that we have different you know we have four dental chairs we have three adjustment chairs and then we have a console chair so Usually, I have three or four assistants. So my patients coming in, we untie the the people's braces or they take their liners out. Everybody has to brush your teeth. That way, we get a nice clean mouth when I go in and take examine every patient. And each patient gets a custom treatment. You know, one person has to get strong wire, one has to keep the same wire. Somebody has to open uh, use power chain. So all this orthodontic terminology would probably be confusing to you, but you know, just we kind of work the next step of what we do the same mm-hmm. time between the, the, the routine visits. I have um, either a new patient or consultation who comes in and we set up the patient. We take a panoramic x-ray and some photos, and then we have a big screen on and we just kind of review everything. We kind of do an examination and then we see what uh, we, we talk about what would be the best treatment plan for that patient. Somewhere in the middle, we have also people who take the braces off or put braces on. So we have the day that the, the happiest day of some of the people when <laughs> it braces off. Although now a lot of the younger population population, they're very happy when they get the braces on. So because they can choose colors and have fun with them. So, so that's, a, then we have our long appointments as I call them. Like we take some more than like a 20 minute new uh, routine adjustment. So that usually Pretty much is like an eight-hour day, seven to eight hours a day. We see between sixty and seventy patients a day, so it's a busy day. So it's like yeah, busy. It's a high pace, like high energy. People come and going, especially during afternoon. So you get more kids after school. So the good another thing about a city practice, we see about fifty-fifty 
uh, percentage-wise adults and kids. Um, in more of the suburban practice, you get a lot more kids than adults doing braces. I mean, because we in the city, we have so many people of every of every age and culture, and everybody lives there. We have a pretty much 50-50 population of adults and children. Mm-hmm. So we get, in the morning, say from 10 until 2, we have pretty much primarily adult patients who they come during the lunch break or like, you know, during the work, they take a little break and they come in and we do the adjustments or we give more clear aligners or, you know, do their routine visits. And then after three, I call the zoo time when all the kids come out for school. <laughs> so when the, all the kids come in with the snacks and they want their, their like their, their, their food and they're cranky and they, 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 from three to six or three to seven, it's like the wave of like, which is the, 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 the high energy wave when you get the kids and having fun. And that's more the, the party time. Like, and then after that, we all exhausted the end of the day. <laughs> But and then we kind of prep the next day. So at the end of the day, we have another little huddle to kind of kind of review the day and then prep for the next day. So it needs to because we see a large amount of people, we have to be very organized. The way everything goes smooth. If a student wants to learn more about your profession, where would you direct them to learn more? Are there resources that they can listen to or research about or read about or organizations to belong to that you would recommend them to? There are so many like pathways to go through. I mean, you can actually, you can start as simple as go to your local orthodontist. And then, I mean, every year I have one or two high school kids every summer, they come and hang out in my practice and they follow me around. Um, you can be a member of, um, you can sign up and see if you can be a member of a local, like uh, um, the study club, the study groups. Um, um, you YouTube is amazing. You can see so many things on YouTube and see what exactly everything is about um you can i think there's programs that some universities do like you can summer programs you can actually go and sign up for um research you can actually do something like you sign up as a research volunteer and help with research projects and that way you actually get exposed to um to that profession so there's so many so many ways you can do this i mean and each each and each I guess geographic area has different opportunities. Like, you know, a more suburban setup away from a big city, I would think the local orthodontist, local dentist, um, that'll be a good option. You can go and shadow an office. If you're in a, in a bigger city, there are so many different institutions, universities, you can see if they have research programs. There's like, there's a lot of ways. I think the, the, the internet is like a really good way to actually research a lot of this stuff too. How did you end up being or an orthodontist, what were you thinking about dental school when you were in middle school or high school? No, actually, I mean, the way I became, I mean, I kind of started getting interested in dentistry is like, it's kind of funny. I was like, my mom had a lot of dental work when I was elementary and high school. So I would go with her to the, to her dental dental offices, uh, office dental visits. And I love the idea of having a small office. I kind of love the smell of a dental office. I know. Really? Weird, I know. And he had a... Because your office does not smell like a dental office. <laughs> it's like a very clean scent, I guess. A chlorine or bleach, I don't know where it is. <laughs> and then there was like, a, I kind of liked the idea of like, and then he had a nice aquarium. I remember I, lived, I love the aquarium. So like the dental office I used to go, my mom used to go, I had an aquarium and it was like a nice small practice. So I kind of liked the idea of like, oh, this must be nice to 
to like you know help people's mouth and my mom always she had say some issue with her teeth so she always kind of made, made her feel good about after she was going there she was feeling a lot better about it so it kind of always had a that profession had a kind of good feeling every time I thought about it because I was like you know as you're getting you know go through high school you realize what you want to do and then I went through this stage of like me want to be either a, a dentist or a doctor was going back and forth. I mean, I always kind of had, had the tendency to want to take care of people. Were you being kind of advised by your parents to do that? Do you come from a family of doctors? No, actually, both my parents are literate. I mean, both my parents, actually, I was born in the States, but I grew up in Greece. So both my parents were like, you know, you should do something you're happy with and something, you know, that, you know, will be able to provide you with a good life. So that was the advice. I mean, the, my parents were all about education. I mean, you have to get educated because they didn't have any education growing up. And that was always for them a big deal. So for them, like, they didn't care as long as I go to college and I go get a university degree. They didn't care what's going to be. But as long as they stay in school and get a good education, that was the number one, like, you know, request for me. So mm-hmm. when I was younger, then I decided to move to the States because in Greece, like you know, there's not there like there are very few schools, and the the, the and it just like the education is not as good. I mean, there are a lot of brilliant people from Greece, but the education system is not the best. So, I decided since I was an American citizen because I was born here, I decided to move back to Rochester, where uh, I was I was born at. So, because initially, you know, my parents couldn't afford it, and I, I didn't have the financial support. I, I signed myself up in a community college. Monroe Community College up in Rochester, New York, where it was a great tool to get there, start taking courses and, you know, do pre-med courses. And the good thing about community colleges, a lot of the times they can transfer all of your, or your, or your credits to a university afterwards. And then I was able to, you know, work a couple, you know, a few days a week while I'm going to school. So I was able to support myself and community college is a good way to start that way. And then while I was in there, I was able to, find out like you know there was a back then i don't know probably still like this it used to be called a two plus two program so you take all those courses that transfer to university uh in the community college and at the same time you can actually you know work and try and do like pay myself because my family couldn't help me and then after that i moved all my credits to university of rochester which um at uh, the same time i found out i worked at, at the at the University of Rochester Medical Center, Strong Hospital, as a phlebotomist. So the moment you work 17 to 18 hours a day, I mean a week, you can actually get benefits towards your tuition. So you can get 50% of your tuition paid. So, and I had 50%. 50% of your tuition back then. You can get paid by the hospital. So working pretty much two or three shifts. And this is why you're going to college. Yes. So uh, at University of Rochester or community college. Uh, the University of Rochester. So when I was transferring, in order for me to be able to afford University of Rochester, I had to start working there <laughs> as a, as a, as a as a phlebotomist. I started as a nurse assistant, and then I became a phlebotomist. So which is blood draws, and in case you, people are wondering what phlebotomist is. But were you intending to actually go to dental school or medical school at that moment? And that's why you were headed that direction? Or you were still unclear? I was in between. I didn't know if I wanted to do medical dentistry still. And uh, actually working in the hospital helped me clarify this because I was working as a phlebotomist. So I dealt with a lot of residents. Mm-hmm. At the time, the residents, there was not a, as much regulation on how many hours they worked. 
And they were all zombies. They were all exhausted and miserable and hating themselves. And then the same mm. time, um, the University of Rochester had a, a really good health plan for students. And Cynthia had really horrible dental work in dental in Greece. So it was a good opportunity. So maybe I can take care of some of my old feelings that, you know, the old like dental work. So the, there was a good dental clinic in the in the, the hospital and the, the university. So I studied my work and I, I really kind of like and liked the feel. It was a lot more, the feeling of a dental clinic was a lot more appealing to me than the, the medical setup. Okay. So I was able to, one of the dentists there who, uh, Dr. Theodore, who was wonderful, actually. He was a professor at the University of Rochester has, has a, a specialty program, dental program there. So he was a professor there, but he also his own clinic at the faculty practice. So I asked him if I can shadow him. So I was doing work as a phlebotomist going to school and also shadowing him to kind of feel, to get a vibe and get a feel of the both professions. And I, I really liked the, the dental world, world. And then it kind of reminded me of when I was younger, to my, we used to go with my mom to her dentist. That it's, like small, it's a more of like a small family business type okay. practice. So it's not like a huge clinic. It's more of like a more personable. Kind of like the feel that you kind of get to know your patients and you see them for a long time. And back then, I didn't. I wasn't thinking about orthodontics. I was more thinking of general dentistry. So you pretty much, you see those, I mean, you know, you see your dentist for many years. So you pretty much get to know them and becoming almost like their personal caretaker. So of their mouth. So I kind of like the feeling. So that's why I thought I start applying to dental schools instead of medical schools. I start applying to dental schools. Unfortunately, I had a bad, not bad. I had an, an advisor who she never helped a dental student before because the University of Rochester is, is the heavy medical preparatory school, not a dental school. Yeah. So see, see, see the last time she helped somebody, see the, the standards were a little lower. So I didn't, I mean, I kind of, because I was working two jobs, you know, I wasn't able to be number one in my class. I was like top 15% or top 20%. So I didn't was then I didn't I wasn't able to get in the first time I applied for dental for school. Dental school, yes. So at that point, I'm like I started working on my master's. So I wanted to do like um, I work in the oral medicine masters, you know, because in order for you to make your application more desirable, you can actually there's different ways you can do. It. So you know, you you can actually augment it. You know, if you not number one in your class because is then dentistry is pretty competitive, you have to have more of a, a well-rounded application. So research, like, you know, anything extra uh, around, it doesn't have to be done to dentistry. It can be any extracurricular activities. If you're volunteering, if you, anything else you can do. So for me, I started doing my master's in oral medicine and researching oral medicine. So when, after that, I was able to move to Boston I was able, actually, I did, I walked into BU and Tufts and I was trying to get into any research programs and I was able to get into Tufts as a research uh, research coordinator for the oral medicine department. So I was able to kind of do, do a year of research about with this, this amazing lady, Dr. Pappas. She's an oral medicine um, researcher. So I did a whole year of research about dry mouth and oral cancer. and And so I got so much more information in dentistry so and then also strengthened my application that i got into right away tough except for me that year uh, the year after that for dental school chris before you got into dental school um 
what was your what was your thinking like at that time? You had not got in on your first attempt. Were you anxious about trying to get in? Do you have a backup plan? Oh, oh my God, I was so stressed out. I mean, he's like, you know, it's as I say, I mean, a lot of people, because I do get like, you know, high school students come shouting out my practice or college students. Right. It's never easy, but you just have to now lose like a vision of your, what you want to do. You have to keep in mind your target. So don't, don't give up. I mean, just in the big picture, one or two years of me, you have to wait or, and do something more in order to make your application stronger. It's not the end of the world. I mean, when it happens, it's awful. It's, it's like, you know, when, you know, for you get the regretting formula letter, when you get in, it's devastating. And But then you kind of have to regroup. You have to kind of see, okay, I didn't get in right now. What did, what do I need to do in order to make my application stronger? I mean, instead of giving up and be like, you know, I'm done, you just you just have to kind of keep your eye on the prize through that way. <laughs> and then you have to, there's ways you can research and see what else you do. Then you, I, I reach out to the member, my back to, at that time, the first time to most of the schools, I reach, I reach out to some of the admission office. I'm like, okay, can you review my application? Why you didn't get in? Is any ways? What else you guys are looking for? And a lot of them were like, okay, we're looking, you know, you have, you have good grades, but everybody has good grades today. So what else do you have to do? You can actually do some research. You can actually um, volunteer. You can um, do something like, you know, you can be really good at like, you know, like, athletics you can be uh, amazing like a piano player so there's so many other ways you can actually differentiate yourself from everybody else so there's a lot of other things you can do so you just have to kind of make sure you just give yourself as i say give yourself a break don't don't beat yourself in the head like am i didn't get this time it's done it's over i'm like you just have to keep trying and eventually things will happen i mean nothing came like in front of me nothing happened Right away, nothing came, like you know fell on my lap, as I say. You just you have to work hard for for what you want to do, and then it will happen eventually. All the hard work pays off. Early on in our conversation, you talked about how you were in clinic, and there's only one course in dental school, at least when you where you went at that time, where you had orthodontics as a course, and you actually enjoyed it. But was there a moment for you that you said, "I want to do orthodontics"? Oh my god! Well, actually, it was because I had braces in the dental school. <laughs> you had what? I had, had my mom. I mean, I, I from a personal experience, I never had braces growing up in Greece. Um, having a, a like a straight smile is not like priority. <laughs> growing up, so uh, the more still learning about the bite, and the more still learning about how your teeth have to come together. The first year that in dental school, especially one of the member, it was one. I had, I had pretty severe crowding. So I remember one of the professors like, okay, so now when you, I think it was the, the, the lecture on dentures, that when you, you set up the teeth, you'd be able, you should be able to, to cut a piece of lettuce with the teeth. And then I tried with my own teeth and I couldn't do that. Really? <laughs> I couldn't, I mean, my teeth were so crowded at the front, I couldn't cut a straight line on a piece of lettuce. I'm like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? <laughs> you were your own worst case. I was huh? like, what is, I cannot do this. I mean, I, you know, take a piece of, it actually is like a piece of paper. You're just supposed to be able to, to pinch a piece of paper with a teeth that way the, when you bite down the front teeth, when you like you bite your front teeth, you can actually hold into a piece of paper. And I couldn't do it with my own teeth. I'm like, what's going on here? Why I can only do it in two spots and not the rest of it. So, and then I had braces for myself for two years in dental school. So, 
I got to go every week, I'm sorry, every month to the ortho department to have my adjustments. And then I did my externship. You know, it's 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 at the end of every the dental school, you have to do a six-week externship to like to the different um, specialties. And one, my, my favorite one was orthodontic uh, externship because I kind of was going through it myself. So... That's the part when I realized, like, you know, I think I like this. I mean, because you kind of do all the other specialties, and then this was the one that kind of spoke to me more. I mean, starting dental school, I didn't I didn't go into become an orthodontist. I wanted to go to become a dentist. But then I had such a good experience with orthodontics that it kind of won me over, put it that way. Won me over. So I decided to become an orthodontist. What was the training like, the training program like as an orthodontist? Much easier than dental school? Um, it's different. I mean, you do a lot more patient care. Um, more patient care? Um, yes, because you just, you start right away and you have to, the, you are, you're already getting a body of patients from the previous resident who graduating. So you're already hitting the ground with a full lot of patients. At the same uh-huh. time, you have to do courses at nine, in the morning at 7.30 or 8 o'clock in the morning until 9. Then you see patients from 9 until... 12, I use a course between 12 and 1, then you see patients from 1 to 5, and then 5 to 7, there's other courses, or 5 to 6, like the evening courses. So it's a lot more intense in, like, in the load of work, because you do both, you know, you have two to two, uh, 28 or 30 months to learn all aspects of orthodontics. So... So it's a lot more intense. It's a different intensity, but you know more at the time too. Dentistry, you know, you have to start by learning the basics and then the first two years are all academic. And then the last two years, you kind of pick everything you learn and, and then you start putting it on the patient, so on an actual person. So it's a little different. It's a little different, but still pretty intense. Still pretty intense. Chris, uh, looking back, is there anything that you would do differently to get to where you're at? I will probably hopefully stress less. That's the one thing I used to stress about so much. And I used to, one thing I regret that I never did the first year of dental school, um, that the, 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 you have the, the first, the, the only time you actually have two months or three months off from school, two months off. I decided to go and like, you know, research and work and trying to like learn more, Half my class went a two-year road trip to the country or to the world or they went mm. backpacking or they did something that, you know, after, you know, you when you start working, you cannot take two months off and do that. So to me, that regret is like, you know, I wish I was like less focused on my goal when I had the time to relax. Because when you start, you know, when you stop working in the real world, getting the, the, that free time of like having two months off. Although we're going through right now, we have, <laughs> <laughs> we have two months off, which I mean, I said to people like, look at it as a, as an opportunity to relax, you know, you cannot regroup. And then when you come back to work, you're going to be super energized. I mean, that's a good way to see this. I mean, those are, there's always a way you can see things that, you know, help you move forward in a way. Are there any uh, parting thoughts you have for maybe a student listening and might be interested in your career? Don't do something for either the money or do it because the, like somebody telling you to do it, do it because it makes you happy. Because when you, you do something that makes you happy, you're going to be really good at it and you'll be very successful doing it. 
if something speaks to you, do it. I mean, find ways to do it. There's no, uh, don't give up on something. All right, everyone. That's our show today. To learn more about today's guest mentioned in today's interview, visit healthcareerswithdrmarn.com or hcwithdrmarn.com. Of course, if you like what you heard on the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your support and catch you next time.